0: The heart of gratitude is to know what and who truly changes our lives. And today we meet a man by the name of Naaman, who learns that in God and through God, the worst characteristic of his life is the way to a grateful heart. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for so many things. We've had the opportunity this morning to participate with each other in uh, naming some of those from family and friends from opportunities to uh, use our talents and abilities things like pets trips the beauty of your world we are also grateful for your word for in it we are taught about who you are and most importantly we are We learn of Jesus, your son. And as we spend some time in your word this morning, may the spirit that is moving among us open our hearts, our eyes, and our ears to hear you speak. We pray in Christ our Lord. Amen. Love for you to follow along. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 5. You can uh, grab the Bibles from the seats in front of you or follow along up on the screen or... Uh, Perhaps you like to use your phone, Uh, but we're going to be reading the first uh, 19 verses of 2 Kings chapter 5. Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. I want to pause there for a couple of reasons. One of them is that we learn a lot about Naaman in this first verse. He's not only a commander of the army of the king of Aram, which is the enemy of Israel, he's also extremely successful. And the reason he is successful is that God has made him successful. Which is to say that in 2021, if there is a commander or someone in power that we do not like or who is making our lives difficult, it may just be that God has put them there on purpose to change our heart. God is the one who has given victory to Naaman. This chapter isn't written by an Aramean. It's it's written by an Israelite. It's written by somebody who stands in the corner of God's people and says, I want Israel to succeed. I want Israel to do well. I want to see the people of God rule the world. And yet the author that tells us this story makes very clear God is on Naaman's side. Bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophets who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, the king of Aram replied, I'll even send a letter to the king of Israel. And so Naaman left, taking with him ten talents, footnote below says about 750 pounds of silver, 7, or 6,000 shekels of gold, go down to the footnote, shekels, that's about 150 pounds of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be clean, cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over my spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Yet Naaman's servants went to him and said, "'My father, if the prophets had told you "'to do something that was great, "'would you not have done it? "'How much more than when he says, "'Go wash and be cleansed?' "'And so Naaman went down "'and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times "'as the man of God had told him, "'and his flesh was restored, "'and he became clean like that, "'and became clean like that of a young boy. "'Then Naaman, and all his attendants, "'went back to the man of God. "'He stood before him and said, "'Now I know that there is no God.' In all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. But the prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry. For your servant will go never again make burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple, of Raman, and to bow down, and he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also. When I bow down in the temple of Raman, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. And Elisha said, go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. There's a lot of irony in this passage, and the way the author tells us, like I, we noted in the first verse with Naaman, we know as the story progresses, Right, We read the footnotes there to note that we got 750 pounds of silver. We've got 150 pounds of gold. We've got 10 sets of clothing. We should think, uh, think of the finest suits here. And so when Naaman is leaving Aram and he's going down to Samaria, this is not just one soldier on horseback with one servant and maybe a trailer. This is not a rusted out pickup pulling a trailer with a bunch of stuff on the back. This is a lengthy caravan of military strength that is going to protect the commander of the army. Well, we got secret service along. We've got uh, people going along to protect the goods. We've got people going along to pamper the commander of this army. We have a train, a caravan, going into Samaria to make clear that the person who is coming is great. And of course, this causes and sets off a rather strange reaction of the king of Israel. He thinks that the king of Aram is trying to start a war. And yet Elisha knows what is truly being sought. And so Naaman continues to take this caravan, this parade, out into the countryside of Samaria. And you can imagine, if you want to sort of be creative with the story, that Naaman uh, gets the address of Elisha and punches it into his smartphone and then hits start, right? And you hear the voice, go 100 yards and turn left. So, you know, Naaman and his whole entourage goes out and now go one quarter of a mile and take a right. And so Naaman has no idea. And so as they're making their way through the streets of Samaria, uh, He's going away from the hall of power. He's going away from the palace. He's going away from the places where the soldiers are housed, where the barracks are. They're going out of the countryside. And there's that moment, and we've done this before, where we think we've maybe missed something or punched the address in, and so we take our fingers and we zoom out. We've all been there. Can I get a head nod at least? Okay, thank you. We've been there before. So we think the directions are wrong, and so we zoom out. And Naaman realizes he's going to no place. And so Naaman arrives. And this entire circus with him stops. We can imagine that Naaman gets out, walks up to the door, and maybe has a servant knock or ring the doorbell for me. And Elijah, or excuse me, Elisha, doesn't even answer the door. Elisha sends an unnamed messenger. We don't even know the messenger yet. We have to read ahead to learn the messenger's name. But in this story, it's just a messenger. It's just a butler. So the butler opens the door and says, yeah, go wash in the Jordan seven times. You'll be good. Shuts the door. The way the author is laying out the story, the way the author is telling us about how these events unfold, we've got this commander of the army full of greatness with a parade and a circus following him, going to the halls of power in Samaria where he cannot be helped and finding his way out into the no-place countryside of Samaria looking for help, getting directions that he does not want to hear. Now this text, in many ways, has everything to do with thanksgiving for two reasons. One, if we imagine ourselves to be great, we cannot be thankful because we imagine we deserve it. If we are impressive and imagine that the world revolves, maybe we don't say that, but we picture that it does. And the way that we live imagines that it does. We can't be grateful. Look at Naaman's response. If you have your Bible open, you can hear it. Naaman is angry in verse 11. I thought he'd surely come out, call on the name of the Lord, and wave his hand over the spot. What Naaman wants is for Elisha to meet his circus of a caravan with some incredible show of religious power. He wants Elisha to come out in the robes and sweep things aside and say, we are going to pray Lord God, come down. And then with a big flourish of a wand, put his hand over the spot and it would disappear. But that's what Naaman imagines, that somehow he deserves to be healed with a flourish that will meet his greatness. And God, through Elisha, is not just after the cleansing of the skin, but of the heart. And so must undermine the pride to bring humility. And humility is where gratitude starts. That I don't deserve this, that even if I have earned it, I've been helped along the way by numerous people. There's a second thing, and we hear it in the second response of Naaman in verse 12. Elisha tells him to go wash in the Jordan, and Naaman's immediate response is to question the choice of water. Are not the rivers Abana and Farpar better Comparison is the second enemy of gratitude. When we walk out to the parking lot and we see somebody else's car and wish it was ours, when we're going home and we wish somebody else's house was ours, when we wish somebody else's Thanksgiving celebration was ours, we can't be grateful because we're trying to live a different life. And Naaman here is saying, what is in Israel? What God, the gift he's given to me, which is right there. He's right on the banks of the Jordan River. He's right there. All he has to go in, do nothing. Just sort of stand there, go up and down a couple of times, and he's clean. That is not good enough. And so his heart cannot be turned toward God. He cannot be cleansed because he's holding out for something else. Without getting way too practical, in 2021, I dare bet that every single one of us here today has a Thanksgiving that is impacted by COVID. There are people who won't be there today. Some of them have died. Maybe not from COVID, but this last year. And if we imagine that the rivers would be better, we will be unable to receive the gift of God that is in front of us. Right there for the receiving. And it takes some bold words from the servant to sort of snap Naaman back to reality and just bring into 2021 what the servants say. We hear the servants say, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more when he says, wash and be clean? What they're really saying is, you've got something great right in front of you. It's a good thing. Just to receive it. Just accept it. It may not be the ideal. It may not be the pristine waters of the spa back home. But God has given you this to make you whole. And the challenge for some of us this morning, when we think about Thanksgiving, are those two challenges. The challenge of pride or deserving or imagining that the life we have is not reflective of what it should be. And then a comparison that longs for something different out there and misses what God has put right here. But notice what happens when Naaman accepts, even begrudgingly, the gift of God in front of him. Verse 14. So Naaman goes down, he dips himself in the Jordan River. Now, I don't know about you, but when you go to dip in Lake Michigan, we should not imagine the full-fledged, everybody gets in a line and says, okay, one, two, three. The dip in the Lake Michigan is I'll try again later. right, dip is the ginger entering, almost the reluctant going under. It's not jumping off a diving board. It's not going in the deep end. It's sort of sliding in. And yet what Naaman finds, even without sort of the wholehearted embrace of the gift of God, that fascinating? God doesn't demand that Naaman stretch out his arms and go in diving, cannonball, enthusiastic. God just says, go, receive the gift how you can. He goes in seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh is restored, and it it becomes clean like that of a young boy. not just skin clean, but heart clean, life clean, transformed by receiving the gift that is right in front of them, the gift of God. It's such a different way to live, to receive the gifts of God. The truth is that we want to be around those kinds of people. We know who they are, where their hearts are always full, And it's not going the way that they wish. It's not what they want. They really would prefer something else. But they have accepted and realized and maybe even fully embraced the gift of God right in front of them that is their life. And full of his goodness. And full of his faithfulness. And full of the evidence of his promises. And so Naaman challenges us this morning to receive the gifts of God with a grateful heart. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this story, for this reminder of your incredible gifts to us. You know, of course, God, that all of us here today have things that are part of our lives that we wish were different. We wish certain relationships were different. We wish certain parts of our health were different. We wish things about our appearance were different, about our career. And yet, God, when we, if we are like Naaman and we constantly wonder about what we deserve or something that we imagine is far off and would be better, we miss out on the gifts that you have for us right in front. And so, God, on this day of thanksgiving, may we, with grateful hearts, be reminded of the small, the medium, and the large grace that you have given to us. And in that way, have hearts and lives that are full and reflect the cleansing power of Jesus and the power of his spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.